Hello and welcome to Talking About Our Beautiful Savior, number 23, just like Michael Jordan. Ooh. Air Jordan. 23. This is, this podcast at its heart <laughs> is an NBA podcast. No, I thought it was NFL. No, I don't know where you would have gotten that from. <laughs> NBA podcast, I'd say you and I together are basically the Michael Jordan. Super fans. Of podcasts. No, oh. Super fans. No, I meant like we're good at this. <laughs> yes. We yeah. can finish each other's Sentences. sandwiches. <laughs> Hold Why? for laughter. Why? No, we need to pause here so everyone listening can <laughs> catch their breath. Oh, okay. Hold for laughter. Three, two, one. Oh. All right. Today, our theme is a gift for the world. We are fully in the swing of Lent. I got to preach in Dayton last night, the city of Centerville. Great church up there, Resurrection in Centerville. That was... Uh, a nice experience. We had Pastor Joel Voss at our church. He had a great, great sermon yesterday. Uh, let's get into our Sunday school lesson, which is David and Goliath. Do you remember how tall Goliath was? Don't look at the sheet. Um. Well, nine feet something, nine ten. Nine feet nine inches, they think. So you just oh. imagine um, so someone as tall as a basketball hoop. Oh wow! You've seen. So we like the Bucks in our house. Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Greek mm. freak, and he is just over seven feet tall. And when oh, you, you wow. see pictures of him, there's an, an ad for, um, I think it's for a phone right now, and he's standing next to an actor, and then you just see how gigantic Giannis is, which is, you know, crazy. So now add another feet, two and a half feet. Nine inches. Yeah, so Goliath is like two and a half feet wow. taller than, you know, your he's average a pretty tall NBA center. Well, pretty guy. Well, weren't they like... Uh, shorter back then? Yeah, I think like, people were gen- in general shorter back then, so he's even more massive compared yeah. to the average human being at that time. Well, I mean, the the Canaanites in general tended to be larger. Remember our lesson on the 12 spies mm-hmm. when, when the Israelites went in there, they saw that the, you know, people made us look like grasshoppers. So, but yeah, for sure Goliath is, is an outlier. He's yeah. very tall. Uh, he's wearing massive armor, carrying a huge sword and spear. His Torso armor alone was about 150 pounds. So, like, you know, a person just clinging to his torso is his armor. Uh, The metal head of his spear was about 15 pounds. They were picked up a 15-pound weight. So that's just the metal tip of his spear is 15 pounds. Oh, my goodness gracious. This dude's pretty pretty jacked, as they would have said back then. That Goliath (laughs) is jacked. Does he work out? So it's the Philistines and the Israelites are squaring up for battle. It's interesting how they did battle back then. Um, a lot of times the armies would face each other and they would each select a champion to go out and you know see are we going to fight one another. Sometimes that one-on-one fight would be the precursor to the battle. Sometimes that would just replace the battle. Like our champion you know, defeated your champion, so we win. So Goliath is going out each day and he's making fun of Israel and making fun of God. And things he says about God are... Are gross. It's yeah. really bad. Very blasphemous. Mm-hmm. King Saul. We talked about him last time. Good king. Bad king. This is bad king phase right now. Yeah. He is at a loss as to what to do because he looks at Goliath and he looks at his men. He's like, we don't have anybody that's jacked like that. <laughs> yeah. We don't have anybody that's a giant Saul like him. Saul would have been like the, the Yeah, only. Saul would have been the likeliest <laughs> candidate. And he's, he's not. I'm not going out there. <laughs> um, and it seems like Saul was kind of hiding from his troops because he was yeah. so ashamed. He couldn't even face them. He was so ashamed by what this, you know, what was going on. And Goliath continues this for 40 days. So I think for like a month and 10 days, can you imagine that, being the Israelites? 
And every day you wake up and you know this giant is going to make fun of us and make fun of our God. And there's not a thing we can do about it. At least we don't believe that we can. So by the time David gets out there, just the morale of Israel must have been super, super low. Yeah, because he had no word of it Mm -hmm. until he arrived on scene. So David is sent by, David's not a soldier at this point. He's too young. Um, But his dad, remember his dad's name? Jesse. Jesse. Jesse sends him to bring food to his brothers, who are all soldiers in the army. He brings 36 pounds of roasted grain, <laughs> which, that's is that a lot? That seems I, like a lot. Well, yeah, because, I mean, grain isn't heavy, so we, 36 pounds? We have pounds? a five-year-old living in our house who's just over 30. <laughs> he's like 39. He's, he's 40 pounds. Yeah. So, yeah, carrying a small child's worth of grain <laughs> to his brothers. And a then, Liam's worth of grain. Yeah, and then... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he, he sends along cheese for Israelites' commanders. Oh, so here's some cheese for the commanders, nice. which is nice. But while David's there, he witnesses Goliath's actions and is horrified. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's done anything? Nobody's going to step to this guy? Nobody? Huh? Nobody at all? Well, and he, like, can't even, like, wrap his head around it. Like, yeah. what's going on? And his brothers are mad at him which is kind of funny in this scene like <laughs> shut up you know, get out of here little brother like you don't know what you're talking about and david just is like ignores them and yeah. keeps moving on uh david's like asking things like what will be given to the man who defeats goliath and his brothers are like shut up and, and david david's response is like what i'm just asking and then it says he he turns to somebody else and asks them what will be done for the man who and there's you know saul had promised these amazing you know rewards to the man who who could kill goliath so david goes to saul and volunteers to fight and saul's like uh that ain't happening you little runt i don't know that's not what he says but that's what he's thinking yeah yeah and david is confident not because he is a great warrior but why is he confident well he knows how good his god is yeah powerful he knows god has helped him in the past as a shepherd david has been some scary situations as a shepherd god's protected him against wild animals and this guy's blaspheming god david says hey i'm gonna go out against him and it's gonna be it's gonna be god's strength that that really does what needs to be done here so at this point had david already like wrestled a bear or well we don't really hear about it in the bible other than david saying here that a, a bear and a lion had attacked the sheep and that he had somehow defended them and even killed them. Mm-hmm. All right, so Saul says, all right, you can go, but I'm going to put your ar- my armor on you. And, and David's obviously too small. Saul's a larger man, and David's trying to wear his armor, and David can't even really move around. So he just, I'm not putting all this armor on. So he's just going on in his regular shepherd's clothes. Is he like 17-ish? We don't know for sure, but yeah, 16, 17. Okay. Somewhere in that area. Lovell's uh, drinking water, so if you're wondering. Yep, she's having a nice drink of water is. here. So David goes out to face Goliath, and Goliath just laughs when he sees him, and he curses him by the Philistine gods. And basically, you know, it says, like, do you think I'm a dog that you come at me with sticks? Yeah, was he offended? It seems like he was yeah. offended. Like, of all the people Israel could have sent, you send me this, like, punk kid. Yeah. And David gets five smooth stones uh, from the riverbed, and he only needs the one. So he approaches David and basically says, you know, I'm, I'm about to win this victory, but it's because of God and to God's glory. And he strikes, he you know, throws the, uses the slingshot and strikes him right in the area that's unprotected, probably like right above the lower forehead, above the nose. You know, somehow, it, you know, some sort of kill shot. 
And then David demonstrates his belief in, in God's power by the way that he acts before and after this victory, gives total, total credit to God. And this is sort of the start of David being the shepherd king that we, we know him to be. That he is he's going to have many more moments like this where God works through him. David's going to have some pretty rough moments, but David is also going to have moments like this where God works through him beautifully. Um, just some things to, to learn from this lesson. We do have a responsibility to defend God's honor. Yeah. And it's not always going to look like this, but we really need to think through when, when people are making fun of God, what can we say? Um, we don't need to you know, slingshot a stone at someone making fun of God. Yeah, please don't do that. But we do need to think, how, how can I defend God's honor? Um, not that he needs us to defend him, but just he's worth he's worth us stepping up and saying, no, God is actually really, really good. Well, and a lot of times that's like in, in for a discussion, like a good yeah. conversation. Um, you know, like they're saying it for a reason and you can ask them more about like what they believe and why. Right. And you think how easily we get <clears throat> upset when someone insults our favorite team or yeah. a show that we like, a book that we like, you know, our, our politician or our a political party that we endorse or whatever let's get more upset about god he's really the only thing worth really getting upset about uh and then just the obviously david's trust in god you know are we trying to fight our battles on our own is typically an application that preachers and teachers will make in this section here so are we trying to fight our battles on our own or are we relying on god's power all right, let's move on to our two scripture lessons. The first one is um, not obscure, but a little harder to work through maybe, Romans 4. Uh, it starts talking about Abraham. Abraham's in our first lesson from Genesis 12. And Paul's talking about Abraham and being justified. Justified, remember what justified means? Yeah, uh, declared not guilty. Yeah, it's a courtroom term the Bible uses. So are you declared guilty or not guilty in God's courtroom? So Paul says, was Abraham declared not guilty by his works? No, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Paul is quoting Genesis 15 here. So the Old Testament and New Testament are clearly connected in the Bible. And Paul uses this image of, or the concept of wages versus a gift. Mr. Gum and Chapel this week used a pretty good illustration. He had one kid uh, get up and do 50 jumping jacks and then gave them a piece of candy. And then the next kid just stood up and got a piece of candy. <laughs> so one is wages. You know, you earn the candy. The other is a gift. You did nothing and you, you know, get the candy. Yeah. So his point was, which is faith? Which is salvation? Wages are a gift. And it was a very good illustration to show that we don't earn anything that God does for us. Not our forgiveness, not his mercy, not his patience, and certainly not the faith either that grabs hold of all of those things mm -hmm. through the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. This is one of those places in the Bible where if you, you know someone who's a Christian who's wrestling with what, do we make a decision for God? Do I have some part to play in my salvation? This is one of the places where it's very clear. God who justifies the ungodly. So if I'm the ungodly and God is declaring me not guilty, the only conclusion I can draw from that is... It's all God. It's all God. It's all grace. Yeah, I think that's so comforting when you have someone who's really like, I don't know if I have strong enough faith. Like, mm -hmm. my, I feel like my faith is right. so weak. And the answer to that is stop focusing on yourself. Yeah. So if our faith is weak, well, let's look to God instead. If we're feeling like we can't be forgiven, then look to what God says rather than trying to drum up our own confidence, our own faith. That's never going to work. 
Uh, Paul says, not through the law that Abraham received the promise, but through righteousness that comes by faith. You know, Jesus had a lot of tangles with the Jewish leaders in the New Testament. And so often they were like, well, we're the sons of Abraham. How can you say anything to us? And Jesus is like, you, you don't know what Abraham was all about. Abraham was all about that promise, not the law. <laughs> yeah. So you're not the sons of Abraham. And we are, you know, as Christians, we are the sons of Abraham because he believed and was, you know, credited as righteous. And we are too. Paul says, if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. So he just he speaks that bluntly. If it's about the law and our behavior, then faith is, it doesn't matter. If I'm earning my salvation, what good is faith? Nah, if I'm not, earning my salvation, okay. what good is God's promise of forgiveness? It, it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So it all tilts on our understanding of these, these truths. Is faith wages or is faith a gift? And Paul is saying, yeah, it's clearly a gift. Um, Paul does such a good job in those first six, seven chapters of Romans talking about the use of the law. And he just says the law brings wrath. And that's, that's a powerful concept that trying to earn God's love only brings wrath. Hmm, because yeah. I'm, I'm, if I'm thinking that somehow I'm earning, you know, I'm going to follow the law oh, and God's yeah. love is going to result from that. Paul says, no, the law brings wrath. The law only shows me how sinful I am and how much I deserve God's wrath. So anytime I'm thinking that somehow, yeah, it's about my behavior obeying the law, passages like this reset me. Mm-hmm. And then the the last um, thing to mention is he just he refers to God as the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So that concept of God who just flips things, gives life to the dead, calls into being things that, that were not. So I don't have to worry about who am I? What have I done? Am I doing enough? Uh, is God impressed with me? He'll never be impressed with me. He just loves me. I'd much rather have him love me than be impressed by me. Yes. So, yeah, the God who gives life to the dead, that's me. As, as much as he raised Lazarus from the dead, he's raised me and you to life spiritually when we were dead. And he calls into being things that were not. I'm not his child, but he made me one. I'm not his heir, but he's made me one. And maybe we even could say you can make an argument for God is impressed with us because when he looks at us, he sees Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the only sense in which God is impressed. Right. So when we do like something good out Mm -hmm. of faith, he he's pleased with it. Mm hmm. So, yeah. so uh, the theme for this week is a gift to the world, <clears throat> and you can see why this reading was chosen. It's emphasizing that everything from God is, is a gift. Uh, our gospel, John 3, uh, Nicodemus, who is one of the Jewish leaders, meets with Jesus late at night. Why does he meet with him late at night? Well, he, wa- he was... Worked second shift, and this was the only time. <laughs> no. Uh, right after he got off work at Amazon, he met with Jesus. <laughs> well, okay, so it was... Um, embarrassing to like wonder about these things Mm -hmm. like he his friends his fellow pharisees or sadducees would have been like what are you doing like yeah don't and even more than being embarrassed what would he have been afraid of uh i guess they would have cut him off socially at best maybe executed him at worst who knows they're getting more and more unhinged at this point right so Nicodemus and Jesus meet late at night. Nicodemus has started to wrestle with some things. What Jesus is saying is at odds with what he's been taught about Judaism and God. And so he wants to know, tell me, you know, teach me directly. And this is the section where Jesus talks about, you know, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. 
Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirits gives birth to spirit. This is one of those places where we see the doctrine of original sin, that all people are born in sin because our parents are sinful. No matter how awesome your parents were, um, they were still sinful, and they passed along their sinful nature to you. Um, we, we see lots of similarities between us and our and our parents. Maybe we have the same eyes, the same laugh, but spiritually speaking, they passed along their sinful nature. So we have to be born again. Regeneration is the term we sometimes use. And Nicodemus, it's kind of funny. Nicodemus <laughs> is like, wait, what? Born again? Like, how is that supposed to work? Because uh, he's thinking of a literal right. like, being born again. Jesus, Jesus calls well, him out. He's thinking of like an earthly birth, I suppose. Yeah, a literal yeah. birth. And Jesus calls him out. He says, you're Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things? <laughs> yeah. And then goes on to critique all of Nicodemus and all of his associates. Like, you people don't accept our testimony. We, we're talking to you about spiritual things. You don't understand earthly things. How could you understand spiritual things? So basically just telling Nicodemus, you and your whole crew, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong about all of this. You're wrong about me. You're wrong about how you earn God's love. You think it's wages. It's a gift. And he goes on to uh, prophesy his own death, the kind of death he would die. And just as the, the snake, the serpent, was lifted in the desert, the Son of Man will be lifted up from the earth. And he's calling back to Numbers, the book of Numbers, when the people were bitten by poisonous snakes and they prayed to God for mercy and God had Moses put up a... Bronze snake. Bronze snake. And anybody who looked at the snake on the, on the essentially what was a cross would live. Yeah. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to die by crucifixion. X, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. going to be crucified. So it helps you understand as we go through Lent. Like, this is all very carefully planned out. Planned out. He knows yeah. that he's going to be crucified. Yeah. And then we have John 3.16 in there, which I don't know. It, kids have been learning that, you know, the, the boys in our home um, know that verse very well, which is pretty fun. I know that DJ likes to share that with anybody who will listen. Uh, but it is just, it's called the gospel in a nutshell for a reason. Apologies to anybody who has peanut allergies. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just, it's so clear. God so loved the world that he gave a son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's that's the gospel. And then DJ loves that he knows that second, like the, what is it, verse 17, I guess? Oh, not to condemn the world, yeah. but to save the world yeah. through him. Yeah, I just that's that's why Jesus came. This, again, resets people who feel like God is so angry and is only here to judge. And John 3 says, no, he came here to save the world. Do people still reject him? Yes, they do. But the reason he came was to save the world and to do that by dying. Uh, anything else, John 3? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, do you want to read Father Welcomes, that newer hymn we're going to sing on Sunday? Father welcomes all his children to his family through his son. Father giving his salvation. Life forever has been won. Let us daily die to sin. Let us daily rise with him. Walk in love of Christ our Lord. Live in the peace of God. That's the third verse. The The first part of what Carrie read is the refrain. You know, Father giving his salvation light forever has been won. So fitting for this Sunday too, that idea of God giving salvation as a gift. And then that third verse is our response. Let's daily die to sin, daily rise with him, walk in the love of Christ, live in the peace of God. So everything we do every day flows from that gift of God. It's just, it's very simple, but very well said. All right, last question for this week. How will the gift concept impact you this weekend? So that salvation as a gift, what are you thinking? Well, I think back to 
the gift uh, that David, you know, this the faith that David had um, when he just like, it, it was like absurd to him that you wouldn't just act mm-hmm. in this situation. Like, this is happening. Our God is being mocked. I'm going to go and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- like that was given to him, you know, that faith that he had was given to him. And, and it made this very terrifying thing become just like, no, it's like a next on the to-do list. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just, I, I do that. And so when it comes to like sharing the truths that we know with people who we love and care about, um, but we know it could be, there could be repercussions, like they might be offended mm-hmm. um, or feel judged and, you know, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but like when you know who your God is and he's more powerful than like other people's mm-hmm. hangups, yeah. um, you just go do it. Yeah. Because he's awesome. Right. Uh, I think for me, uh, it's a busy time of year and I think as a pastor going through Advent or Lent, it's easy for me to fall into this thinking like, okay, it's just tasks. These preaching, you know, preaching in different churches, extra services, extra classes or whatever, this is a task to be completed. As opposed to, I have a chance to do what you just said, which is to share this wonderful gift with various groups of people at various various times. And also, I think when I'm busy, I'm not my best self, Not certainly not the person that God wants me to be as I get you know, stressed or grumpy or whatever else. So to think about this gift of love and let that impact the way that I talk to people at the, you know, being more patient, being kinder, being more respectful. So the, the gift of God, you know, that, that hymn verse again, let us daily die to sin, rise with them, walk in the love. Just God help me understand this is such an undeserved gift and let it impact my behavior. Yeah, it like it truly makes a joyful heart. Yeah. All right, and before we're done, somebody uh, at church on Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday or Sunday, they came up to me and said, good morning and good welcome. Do you know why? <laughs> yes, because that's what I accidentally said. Yeah, yeah I think we time. should lean into it. I'm, come up with I'm, like, I'm all about it. We need when to it, come up with merch. When it came out of my mouth, I was like, that sounded nice. So look for, coming soon, our merch store with shirts that say... Good morning and good welcome. Good morning and good welcome. And also a line of uh, hoops and sticks for, your, <laughs> for the kids. All right. Bye. Bye.